Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. Guys, a couple of things I, I failed to just remark on, and I'll share this with you again. Uh, Joe and Heather are going to be leaving for the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex in uh in July. I want to make sure that you all have the opportunity and you all take the opportunity to go ahead and thank them for the ministry that they have had here. Um, when, when, I, when I do take some time away, it's a really neat deal as a pastor to be able to realize that things are taken care of here uh, by our deacon body, by you, um, by our staff. And um, Joe, I, I, I appreciate what you did last week and you bring in God's word in a kind of a remarkable set of circumstances uh, for Ross for all that you do all the time you are you're a blessing uh, second thing just to, to give a heads up this Saturday our mission team leaves for Honduras and if you have the opportunity Saturday uh, as as God wakes you up, be in prayer for them because this is going to be an exciting time. It's going to be uh, kind of a time where they've got to move fast to get where they need to be. Uh, and then once they get there, that God's going to use them in a powerful way to go ahead and talk to people, even across language barriers, talk to people and show them Jesus. So be praying for our mission team. If you're going to be leaving to go on this mission uh, to Honduras, would you just stand for a moment? Would you stand? If you're going to be leaving to go on, great. All right. We're, we're, we are praying for you all. We are praying for you all. Thank you for doing that. Um, this morning we're going to talk about uh, coming to church and being in a crowd. Let's ballpark and say we have 500 people here today. Okay, yep, that's preacher's math. Um, 160 people, we'll say that. 160 people are here this morning and you're in the middle of them, all right? And if you're not in the middle of them and you're sitting on the outside of them, you're still a part of this. Uh, is it possible to be alone in a crowd? Is it possible to be alone in a crowd? I think it is. Alone in a crowd and yet surrounded by God. And the fact is that you and I can be in the middle of a bunch of folks and still be all alone. And yet in the midst of our loneliness, our being alone, God says that he surrounds us. It's an interesting way he puts it. He, he says in one part of scripture that he is like a mother bird that, that extends her wings and all of the chicks come up under it, surrounding them with protection and, and just togetherness. It's possible to be alone in a crowd. Let me ask you a couple of questions this morning. Do you know someone here this morning? Do you know someone here this morning? Do you know their name? Not to put anybody on the spot, but most folks here can recognize a face or two, and it's part of the human condition that we seem to seek out some types of fellowship. As a matter of fact, it's one of the five essentials that are an example of a healthy church. Matter of fact, if you were to walk out into the church, I like what Jeff, Jeff Noble said. 
He says, we have our church living room. That's if you walk down the hall over here to the to the uh, couches there that are by the stairwells. If you do that and you walk out, you're going to see five, uh, five different words up on a board there that say the essentials of a healthy church. One of them is fellowship. Fellowship does not mean we just get in a big group together. Fellowship means that you actually have inter, interpersonal relationships with one another. And, and when you and I get into a group, into a crowd, and we feel lonely and we are alone, let me share with you folks, you can be alone in a crowd. You can be lonely with other people. But the Bible says that God surrounds us at all times. And a healthy church is one that will have fellowship and not just fellowship to say we draw a crowd around each other, but instead we actually have communication and connection with one another. Cultural chemist George Barna states now that there are more people that claim to be lonely than at any other time in church history. And he's talking about people in church. He said people come in and they show up in church and they walk away without any kind of connection with another human being. Hopefully they've had a connection with God, but they sense that they've not had any kind of interplay or intercourse with anyone else that's in the room with them. Guys, I want to share with you that when you and I come into a worship time like we're in right now, God wants us to not only hear from Him, but He wants us to be surrounded by Him and surrounded by the fellowship of the church. The church is not a building. This is not church. This is not church. This is church. And the Bible says that what happens in a few minutes after I'm through, after we have finished our worship time, is we disperse into a community that, listen, is sometimes surrounded by lots of faces, lots of noise, and yet lonely. Cultural chemist George Barna, when he spoke these words, is speaking to you and me as Christ followers that this is almost a counterintuitive side of our church. We have time to set aside every Sunday to greet one another, and yet that brief time that I shared with you a moment ago to go ahead and hug four people, that doesn't really count for conquering loneliness. You and I have the great tools of communication, like a smartphone, the Internet, social media. We're more connected together than ever before in all of history, so how could anyone be lonely? Well, some of the great prophets felt loneliness, Isaiah and Jeremiah. Jesus himself cried out from the cross about feeling abandoned and lonely. So what does the Bible say then about loneliness? And is there an answer to that problem of being lonely in your life and mine? I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 68. Great psalm. We're going to stand together. We're going to read together God's Word. So I invite you to do that now. And as we stand, let's share this together and read together. Sing to God. Sing praises to His name. Lift up a song for Him who rides through the deserts, whose name is the Lord, and exult before Him, a father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows, is God in His holy habitation. 
God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity, and only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. First of all, I want to share with you that loneliness is all that it's cracked up to be. Loneliness is real. It means that you have no sense of connection with anyone else at any particular time. It means that as you come into a group of people, there is not a sense of community. Loneliness can mean that you can be in the midst of family or friends. You can be at school. You can be at any location and still walk with a sense of solitude. Now, there are certain among us in this room that like being alone. Can I get a witness? There are certain of you. Thank you. Being alone is how an introvert recharges their battery. Now, most of us in here have a cell phone or or have access to them. When you see that battery getting into the red, you immediately go, I've got to charge this puppy. I've got to go ahead and do something. But, But introverts... Folks, introverts don't mean we don't like people. It means that when we recharge our batteries, we do it by ourselves or with one other people at max. If you'd ever like to figure out if you're an introvert or an extrovert, I've got a Myers-Briggs test. If you'll see me after the worship service, I'll get you a copy, and you can take it, and I'll score it and get it back to you. And you can learn a couple of things about who you are and how... What's the reason that when you go to a party, for instance, and as you're at this party, there are, there are a number of folks running around and they're all talking and everything, and you're standing over there just kind of watching, and you're perfectly happy being by yourself watching other people. That's not loneliness. Loneliness is when you and I have a sense of despair and solitude. It is real. And it can be a deadly companion. It is a tyrant who haunts you without regards to others. You can be lonely in the midst of a crowd surrounded by others. It is a predator that will hunt you down relentlessly. And Satan uses loneliness to attack you mentally, emotionally, and physically. He uses it to discourage and demoralize you in the middle of doing God's work. Do you remember when when Satan took Jesus and, and tempted him. Do you remember what happened? Jesus was in the midst of a bunch of folks, and he took him out singly. They went out into the wilderness, into the desert, and he got him alone. And then he began to go ahead and offer him one after another, after another, after another of opportunities to go ahead and turn his back to God and God's work and turn himself into something that would be self-imposed focus. Please hear what I'm going to say. If you're here this morning and you are lonely, there is a hollowness in your life. That is not your fault. But it can be something that the enemy will use to draw you away from God. During that temptation, if you remember, 
Three times Satan comes to Jesus and says, you know, hey, I know that you've been fasting for a while, and there's some, there's some rocks over there, and you can change these rocks into bread because I know you've bound to be hungry. And three times Jesus answers Satan with Scripture. Instead of pulling Jesus away from God, it drew him back to God's Word. Three times Jesus says, look, You're not to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Three times. Guys, if you're here this morning and you're lonely, don't let the enemy drag you away from God. Instead, let this be an opportunity that God puts you back in His family. It cannot be cured by being around others. Loneliness cannot be cured by being in a crowd. There can be times in your life with circumstances that surround you, such as the death of family members, the fact that you are living alone, that can amplify your loneliness. I have a mother who is 92 years old that lives in a five-bedroom house in Farmer's Branch. Stacy and I have encouraged her to go ahead, and, it, and if she's listening to this message, hi, Mom, okay? We've encouraged her to go ahead and downsize. We've encouraged her to go ahead and perhaps uh, look at moving closer to our family. My sister's over in Georgetown. We live here, obviously, in the Brazos Valley. She doesn't want to leave, and it's an interesting reason she gives us. She doesn't want to move from her house. And guys, for any of you all that were raised in the Depression, you get this. I understand this. She doesn't want to move because she moved 11 times as a little girl growing up in the Depression moving around as her family chased work. My dad moved 11 times as well. It apparently was something that happened during that particular time of our history. And they want a sense of of being able to say there's stability and there's security and the roots that I have here. And she said something else. She said, I have a little group of friends that I get with to play bridge. My mom plays cards. She's a Presbyterian. She's not a Baptist, okay? And and she plays cards with these folks every week. And, and she bets. The winner gets $5, okay? All right? And she ends up playing for the... And she, and she will call, I'll call her on Sunday night and she'll say, I won the pot this week! Oh, great, Mom. It was only 5 bucks. You know, that won't even buy you a Happy Meal at McDonald's. Her sense of avoiding loneliness are these three ladies that she plays bridge with. That's how she copes. Guys, being in a crowd does not cure loneliness. So what does? What do we need to do in order to conquer loneliness? I've shown this picture before, and I want you to go ahead and see it again. Do you know this man? you all know who he is? Come on. I'm, I'm counting on Jay Metter and Guy Cook 
and, and Floyd Martin to be able to help with this. That is not Kenny Loggins. That, that is Brian Delp. Now, Brian Delp was a gifted musician. He played with studio quality nine instruments. He's best known as the lead singer for the rock group Boston. And his soaring vocals and harmonies were the trademark of that group in the 1970s and 80s. He was surrounded by fans. He was surrounded by family and by his friends. And yet one day he took his life and he left this note that said, J'ai ami solitaire. I'm a lonely soul. That was his suicide note. He never found that answer. But you and I can find that same answer this morning. How do you cure loneliness? Well, first and foremost, your father knows best. Your father knows best. Did you catch that one part of the verse where God said he was a father to the fatherless? That he set lonely people within his families? Now, I don't know your situation this morning from the pulpit here, but if you're lonely, God has set you in the middle of his family, one that you will be with in eternity. Some of these folks that you see this morning that you're surrounded by are actually going to be in heaven with you. And it's interesting that if that's the case, then God has set people around you that you will be with for all time when time stops. He sets you in a family if you're lonely. We've got another slide up here. You know this, this particular group of folks? Everybody who is over the age of 50 ought to get this one right, okay? This is uh, the cast of the, of the situation comedy known as Father Knows Best. Look in the very middle. That's Father. That's Robert Young. Interesting thing about Robert Young. Robert Young and his family was married for 61 years to his wife, and he had four daughters. And he said in an interview after attempting suicide in 1991, he said that I felt so lonely, and the only time that I did not feel lonely was when I was on the, the set of this particular show. Why? Because there was a sense of connectedness with the folks that were there. And he said, I actually would take what I got from there and take it back home to my four daughters and to my wife. And he said, it provided some type of rational healing for my own loneliness. Father knows best, not Robert Young. Your heavenly Father, however, does know best. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he knows your location when location services are cut off on your phone. He's available when cell service is down or your battery is in the red. He seeks out the lonely places to find solace and to find you. There have been folks that you know that battle with loneliness and have battled all of their life. I didn't put her, her picture up here this morning. But virtually everyone in this room 
knows or ought to know who Mother Teresa is. This wonderful nun who worked in the streets of Calcutta and then all over India to care for the poor. She battled loneliness, even to the point where she said, I feel so lonely, I can't even sense the presence of Almighty God. And when she was asked how she battled this, it's interesting what she did. She didn't decide to go ahead and keep herself busy. Instead, she realized what God had done placed her in a place where she would be surrounded by folks that she would be lonely in the midst of, but realizing that they too were lonely because they were forgotten people of India. And she said, I began to go ahead and pour myself into them. And he said, she said, an amazing thing happened. God began to pour himself into me so I would have enough to give them. Folks, you are surrounded by a loving God who puts you in a place to begin to conquer loneliness. And that place is not church. That place is in His family. And folks, I will say it to you again. You and I do not become a Christian by walking an aisle, getting in a baptistry, and calling ourselves a Christian We become a Christ follower when we invite Jesus Christ to come into our life, to come in and take residence within you. And when that happens, folks, I can guarantee you, by God's Holy Spirit, you will never be lonely again because He will walk with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will walk. He doesn't nag, okay? He doesn't nag. But what he does is is he walks with you as you and I go ahead and experience things in life and as loneliness begins to creep back in, you and I can go to God and say, God, even if I can't feel it right now, I know you're there. And there's a peace in that. And he will put you in the middle of a group of people that are like-minded, that are like employed by God to do God's work. And oh, by the way, as you're doing God's work like Mother Teresa, as you're pouring yourself out, as you get to the place where you think, I don't have anything else to give, God will begin to pour Himself into you. It's interesting, close with this. Mother Teresa was asked by one of her sisters in her order, who was battling loneliness as well. And she said, I see how you act with with these folks. And I know you have battled loneliness. She said, but these are folks that have nothing. And she said, they have nothing, but they give me everything that they have. Now understand, folks, this little scrawny, four-foot-ten Catholic nun walked and worked among people that never knew Jesus Christ. She chose to minister to their needs without any sense of, I'm going to get something back. But God, who is ever faithful and ever with you, let her know that He was there. 
by using those folks, even though they were not believers, using those folks to pour into her so she would have something to give to. If you're lonely here today, I invite you to go ahead and find the one who knows everything about lonely. This scripture is an interesting one. It says Jesus himself would often slip away into the wilderness. That's an interesting word, wilderness. It's also translated the lonely place. Jesus has been to the lonely place that you and I have been as well. And he's been looking for you. Let's pray. Father, as you have been looking for us, you, we can go ahead and be found right now. Not as perfect folks that don't have any needs, but Father, instead, as folks right now that, that come exactly as we are, broken folks, hurting, bruised up by a cruel world, and yet, Father, you don't want us to walk alone. Your ultimate goal is for us to come to You and begin that relationship that will last for the rest of our days. And then when we close our eyes in death, we'll last all of eternity. Father, it begins today. For some here today that need to say, I want Jesus Christ into my life. I'm tired of walking a lonely road by myself. I don't want to end up like a Brian Delph or a Robert Young who tries suicide or even attempts it, I instead want to go ahead and let you begin to work that healing in my life so that I'm not lonely any longer. It starts today and it starts by inviting you to become God over everything in our life. Father, if there's someone here that has not done that, then I pray that in the next few minutes they will feel compulsion by your Holy Spirit to say yes. Yes to you. That they'll be willing to come and share that publicly, not so that we can all ooh and ah, but instead, Father, so that we can go ahead and give you thanks and rejoice that you're working in every life. I do believe, Father, there are also folks here that would say, this is a place I want to plug myself into. Not so I'm not lonely, but instead so I can plug in and serve you among other believers other Christ followers. If that's our heart this morning, then in the next few minutes as we sing this song, move us out of a pew, move us to your altar, and help us to say yes to what you have next for us. This is your time, Lord. You use it for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. Stand together, church. I would love to pray with you about the decision God has for you. I'll be here at our altar. As we sing, you come.